Hello, I'm Robert Bateman and welcome to this week's edition of the Privacy Corner, where I talk you through my top three picks for privacy news developments. Thank you, as always, to Privado AI for sponsoring these videos. Now, this week, I'll be talking about Biden's executive order on AI and how privacy features very heavily the EDPB, the European Data Protection Board, of course, has produced a decision about Meta's behavioural advertising, but I think it's been slightly exaggerated in how uh, effective it will be. And the CJEU, the Court of Justice of the European Union, has published the arguments made in the first of, well, at least two challenges to the EU-US Data Privacy Framework, the DPF. So first, just a small bit of housekeeping. Uh, I've been unwell recently, so I've got lots of messages piling up. If you're waiting to hear from me, apologies, I'll be in touch soon. So let's look at this executive order, first of all. I would say long awaited, but it actually was produced quite quickly by the US administration, let's say eagerly awaited. So it's the executive order on safe, secure and trustworthy artificial intelligence by Biden and Harris. So the first thing to say about this is, well, it's an executive order. So Biden's quite limited in what he can achieve with it. This is not primary legislation. It only applies directly to government agencies. There is some stuff there that's highly relevant to the private sector, especially, but not only, government contractors. There is some stuff as well that will affect the private sector via new ways of enforcing existing primary legislation. And privacy comes up a lot. The word privacy occurs 38 times, yes I checked, in the executive order and infringements on privacy are conceived here as one of several AI related harms alongside fraud, bias, discrimination and they say that AI might make it easier to extract, re-identify, link, infer and act on sensitive information. Now the main way the EO attempts to tackle privacy harms is via privacy enhancing technologies, PETs. So there is less about collecting less data, doing fewer creepy things with it. It's more about maintaining confidentiality via technologies such as homomorphic encryption, multi-party computation, zero knowledge proofs, various other complicated ways of masking data, anonymizing data, and less about reining in the actual privacy invasive activities of intelligence agencies, police, and other government bodies. So that, I mean, some people will be disappointed by that. There are some bits in there about actually changing the practices of government agencies, but mostly it's about drawing up guidelines in order to do that further down the road. So a key concept is the differential privacy guarantee, as they call it. So these are protections that allow a cohort of people or a group of people to be processed or shared 
while limiting the extent to which individuals can be identified within that group. So the White House is going to work together with NIST to figure out how to evaluate the effectiveness of differential privacy protections. And there's a lot of other stuff in there. Guidelines feature very heavily, let's put it that way. It is encouraging, though, that privacy is so important and so central in this order. So it's second on the list of things in the press release, and the order itself is well worth a read. It does go into some depth about the the risks of AI in many areas, and centrally, privacy. So the EDPB, the European Data Protection Board, has made a, an urgent binding decision this week, and it relates to Meta's behavioural advertising practices. Now, the Norwegian DPA is behind this, essentially. I, won't, I don't know how far to go back, really, because it would take hours to explain the whole saga, but... Let's start in January. So the Irish Data Protection Commission ordered Meta to stop relying on contracts for behavioural advertising, as you'll remember, and Meta switched to legitimate interests. Now, the Norwegian DPA was first off the block to tell Meta that this was not acceptable either. They should be getting consent for behavioural advertising not relying on legitimate interests. And Meta ignored the Norwegian DPA. They've been getting daily fines for doing so, but they did say they are going to switch to consent. Now, the Norwegian DPA announced the EDBB's decision, which supports their position, as a ban on Meta's behavioural advertising. This is not what what the decision does. It merely prevents Meta from relying on contract or legitimate interests. And they are switching to consent anyway. There are issues with the nature of their conception of consent. They're going to a consent or pay model. I think that's starting now. They've announced it. They've written to people who opted out of behavioural ads, successfully opted out. Didn't write to me because they rejected my application. But... That's not dealt with by this EDPB decision. They are not addressing consent or pay. They are behind. They're a couple of sets behind Meta here. So when the the so the EDPB has directed Ireland to impose this decision on Meta to tell Meta you're not allowed to rely on contract or legitimate interests for behavioural ads. Meta will respond by saying, well, we've already made the switch, or at the very least, oh, we're doing that next week or, you know, later in the month. So it doesn't make any difference for now. It doesn't have any direct effect on Meta, this EDPB order. It's been trumpeted as something very significant. I, it's not, you know, and I've discussed this with someone from the Norwegian DPA on Twitter, on LinkedIn, and he uh, he was grateful for my feedback about the Norwegian DPA's communication of this matter. You know, I, Norwegian DPA has done some excellent work. They're one of the most indefatigable and proactive regulators in Europe, but this decision is paperwork for now. One thing it might do is send a message to other 
controllers who also cannot rely on legitimate interests or contracts for behavioural advertising, arguably. It's not a binding precedent, but it's not a good sign for people who are doing that. And if Meta's consent or pay model is found several years down the track to be an invalid legal basis, then they won't be able to go back to legitimate interests. So it might be helpful in future, but for now, it's kind of an example of enforcement by paperwork that doesn't mean much. You know, this is old news now. Meta's moved on. So finally, we've had some details from the CJEU about Philippe Latom's challenge to the EU-US data privacy framework, the DPF. So just to recap, Latom is a French MP and he's also on the CNIL, the, the French Data Protection Authority, but he's acting in a private capacity here. He's an individual and he wants to, he wants the CJEU to annul the data privacy framework. So this application for annulment procedure sits at Article 263 of the Treaty of the Functioning of the European Union. So one of the EU's two foundational texts, not foundational because it was it was later, but sacred texts, you might call them, the treaties. And he says that the decision by the Commission to recognise the DPF's adequacy was illegal and it should be struck out. Now, Philippe Latombe will have some difficulties, I think, bringing this case. I don't personally think the CJEU is going to hear it because I don't, I'm skeptical that he has standing to bring it. This procedure is designed for the institutions and the member states, not for individuals. It's been tried before. But that aside, we now know what his arguments are. So he makes five pleas in law. So five criticisms, effectively, of the DPF. Firstly, it was not delivered in all the EU's official languages. This is a bit of a stretch in my view, but as I mentioned in a previous edition, uh, the Commission has, since he made this argument, published the DPF in all the member state languages. So perhaps there's more in that than I thought. He says that the DPF violates Articles 7 and 8 of the Charter of fundamental rights. That's the right to privacy and the right to data protection. And that's because of how it allows the US intelligence services to still collect personal data in bulk. So there are restrictions, but there's still bulk collection going on. Now, Latombe, third, thirdly, says it violates Article 47 of the Charter because it doesn't provide an effective redress mechanism. So the US has thrown redress mechanisms at this new framework. It, you can't breathe for redress in the text. There's various different appeal complaints and review processes. There's the new Data Protection Review Court. That's not to say these are good enough. They might not be essentially equivalent. So Latom argues that they are not good enough and they should not stand up to scrutiny. The DPF also does not contain rules on automated decision-making uh, pursuant to Article 22 of the GDPR. That's because mm -hmm. the principles that US data importers have to adhere to are not updated since Privacy Shield. So they still use the language of the Data Protection Directive. 
and they don't have those new rules from the GDPR about automated decision making. Fair point from Tom there, they do not have such rules. And finally, the DPF allegedly violates Article 32 of the GDPR by failing to impose sufficiently strict security requirements on the US companies. So as I say, I am very skeptical as to whether this case will proceed, but the arguments, some of them are perfectly valid and I expect they will be made by Schrems, who apparently is also planning to bring his complaints in the coming weeks. That's all from me this week. Uh, again, if you're waiting to hear from me, uh, you will do soon. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you again to Privado AI for their support of these videos and I'll see you next week.